This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Welcome back to the SJP Wrestling Podcast. I am really looking forward to this week's show because joining me is someone who I don't speak to very often. He's, he's a bit of a stranger, I guess. Uh, no, of course he's not. It is the podfather himself, Mr. Mags, joining me for an episode of SJP. How are we doing today, my friend? Yeah, when when every other guest turns you down, you, you, <laughs> you go to the podcast whore himself, Mr. Hang, Banks. hang on, hang on. <laughs> Guests turning me down, that's not happened, mate. I've got people waiting. Oh, that's not happened. <laughs> I've got people waiting, but I chose you to come on this week, so you should feel proud of that. You should be happy. Do- in, in all seriousness, I'm I'm massively happy to be on the show. It's uh, uh when you when you were talking about the 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 idea behind the show, I thought it was a brilliant idea, and you always come up with like really cool ideas for for sure. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to be involved. Yeah, it's good to have you here, bud. It's good to have you here. Obviously, you know, only a day removed from speaking for Chain Wrestling. Has anything anything changed in the last twenty four hours? You doing all right? I've I've <laughs> gone bold. I've gone actually bold. <laughs> gone bold. Bold as a coot now. Stone cold bold now. Can't see it though because you got your hat back on. Yeah, because <laughs> I was I was roundly ridiculed, not only on this show but then on the following Radio Tekka show I was ridiculed as well for having oh, hair, man. for having hair, ridiculed for actually having hair. What yeah, is the see, world I, I, come to? I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I've got I've got to pass comment because that's kind of what I do. But you know, I thought you looked pretty cool. You got nothing to worry about there, mate. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. It's a once in a lifetime. You will never see me hatless again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like El Santo buried in a hat. <laughs> Who's El Santo? The the Mexican wrestler, the the mask wrestler. Who, uh, okay. It was in like about 500 movies, all wearing yeah. a mask, and he yeah. was buried in his mask. Essentially, brilliant stuff. <laughs> right. Well, today, mate. Today, we're going to be doing a another awesome foursome for the SJP <laughs> Wrestling Podcast. Um, I'll be honest, the three matches that you sent over, I watched them back the other night, um, and I think this is the most difficult I've had ranking them out of the ones we've done. Granted, there's only a handful of episodes we've done in this format so far, but the ones that you've sent over have been the most difficult for me to, because I think they're all fantastic. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's quite quite interesting how you and I are going to, I think, put these three matches of yours and the one of mine uh, in order, I guess. Um the three matches you've chosen, Magsy. Pick one at random, and, and we'll start talking about it, and, and uh, let us know why you picked them as we go along. Okay, so I might as well go down the list uh, as, as as it went on. Um, 
So the first one I went with is TLC two from uh, WrestleMania seventeen. Um, the obviously the second TLC, uh, uh, but um, with with most kind of um, uh, second matches or kind of sequel to matches, they 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 kind of don't live up to the hype that the first one lived up to. For yeah. me, I think I think this one far exceeded what the what the first one did. And the first one was absolutely monumental. I mean, the whole kind of storyline involving these three tag teams, um, going from uh, starting with ladder matches and then a ladder a match with where the tables were brought in, and then Edge and Christian bringing their weapon of choice, the the chairs. It was uh, such a well told story, like over over almost like 18 months that, the, that these mm-hmm. three teams that went uh, went around the horn against each other. Um, now, ordinarily, I wouldn't have picked this match. This match, uh, whilst it's a great match, uh, it's not one that, that I go to time and time again. It's one of my very favourites. But this show is kind of a bit like a busman's holiday. We're doing chain wrestling. We've covered so many of my favourite matches uh, through uh, uh, the, the the Twitter uh Fans are voting for it. So I felt that we'd be treading over old ground, I suppose, if we if yeah. we covered uh, covered a, a lot of those kind of matches, like the um, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels stuff or uh, Rock versus Hogan at WrestleMania 18. So I kind of wanted to avoid those ones and and just uh, maybe give like a, a a bit of shine on on other amazing matches, but what I don't give enough love to. So yeah, that's that's essentially the reason why I picked the first one. Ah, okay. I mean, it, it's it's one that I'm assuming pretty much everybody listening out there will have, will have seen. Like I can't, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I can't see why you wouldn't have already seen WrestleMania 17 with the, with the praise heaped around this match and the and the card in general. I guess it's um, you know, renowned for being one of the best WrestleManias of all time. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, a show that I've not covered for this podcast or anywhere else. So I think that's something I'm going to have to rectify very soon. Wow. I have to, have to have a look at the. Uh, the whole of WrestleMania 17 because I do love that event. It's it's brilliant from start to finish, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it, it's more amazing for me, and I've covered this on quite a few different podcasts. It's more amazing just how many balls Vince was juggling at that mm, time. Yeah, uh, to he, he had the XFL going on, uh, then they had the 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 purchase of his of his rivals and WCW and Canada, all that uh, happening logistically, and then to go into what was being built as the biggest WrestleMania ever with the two uh, biggest stars at, at that time, uh, uh, Rock and Austin, really kind of a uh, trailblazing almost with uh, with the way that the package was built and the way that uh, the fans were emotionally connected to the to to the match. Uh, this the the amount of viewers and the amount of uh, pay per view bars that they got was was going through the roof, sell out. Uh, uh, stadiums week in week out a lot was going on at that time and to put on um a damn near perfect pay-per-view through all that is it's phenomenal and i, I don't think vince gets enough respect at, at doing that i think uh that takes some balls to to be able to pull that off and if anyone could do it it's vince McMahon who had to do it yeah yeah definitely um the, <laughs> these matches tend to be for me, a lot, a lot of the time, especially the multi-man sort of ladder matches that you see now with Money in the Bank and so on, you tend they're spot fests, and it tends to be people stood around waiting for their next moment in mm-hmm. in in the match. 
I think with this one, you don't get that anywhere near as much as you do modern ladder matches. I mean, there always seems to be something going on. And there always seems to be somebody, of course, having a bit of a break. But it seems to be more fluid to me watching it back. It seems to be more that the spots sort of go into each other rather than less clunky, less sort of, okay, we've done that now, let's do this. It seems to flow a bit better. Yeah, and and I think that that a lot of that is to do with the time. And now a a ladder match or a, a gimmick match, it would be given half an hour easily. Uh, and and like I said, wrestlers would want to get their spots in, um, which is all all cool. It's, they are super super talented, but mm-hmm. you do get the the feeling that it's choreographed when you're seeing groups of people uh, all gathering together, holding each other up, and then all of a sudden someone's doing a, a suplex off the off the off the ladder. You get that it was set up to do that. You're right in this match. It's um, there's not a lot of that. There's not a lot of kind of a times when you can see the wrestlers working together to set things up. Uh, obviously we know that they are, uh, and, and you can, you can see little bits uh, where one person sets up a table and you know that they're going to end up using that table in the next few minutes. Or then there's the, the part with the, the three ladders being set up by edge, which ends up being led to uh, Jeff Hardy trying to walk the tightrope. So there are kind of like bits uh, that are, that are set up, but in terms of a match, it, it flows so beautifully. There's very little in terms of botches. There's very little in terms of uh, um, things going wrong, which if you consider a, a ladder match on its own, there's so many kind of uh, permutations where that can go wrong and you, yeah. have to, you have to book on the fly. You throw tables into the mix. Again, that's just another factor of, of stuff that can go massively wrong and you have to change it as and, as and when it happens. Then you chuck table uh, uh, chairs in, and it it could easily be an absolute shitstorm. But yeah. these three teams and and the the three people who get involved uh, at different uh, points in the match work so well together that you don't get that. It's so well choreographed that it doesn't look choreographed. It looks like a proper a proper fight, a proper wrestling match. Yeah, totally. I mean, regards to the three people who get involved as well. That's something else about this match. I think that's different to a lot of other contests. I'm not a big fan of the whole, you know, run-in and interference thing. I understand it's got its place in certain storylines and certain matches. It helps, but I think it's overdone now. That the sort of shock value of these moments maybe have, have took a, been took away a little bit. But Lita, Rhino, and Spike Dudley here, I think it works. I think it, it adds to the match having these people effectively interfere, effectively get involved, and also they come in a lot earlier than I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that, that, that's a, a lot to do with the time. Um, I, I, every time I go back and watch this, I, I forget that it's only 15 minutes long. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was so much it, longer than that. It, it's such a quick match, but I, I suppose that's what makes it a stand out because you don't have the time to have these setup spots. You it's it's ball to the walls action from essentially from the minute the the the, the three teams are together. Mm. Um it it's just a a beautifully choreographed performance by all all three teams and and obviously Lita, Rano and and, and Spark. Yeah, totally. And one bit that made me giggle is when Lita did run down to the ring grabbed Edge and pulled him off the ladder and the commentary, Jim Ross literally says, Lita is here jerking Edge off. 
<laughs> and I, I don't know whether he was sort of like preempting something that's going to go on in the future maybe i don't know but that tickled me uh, that's just how my juvenile mind works <laughs> you absolute child <laughs> devon's bump as well when he's hanging from the belts i think it's he and jeff isn't it that are hanging <laughs> from the belts yeah and it leads to edge spearing jeff hardy which is replayed over and over again. It's an incredible moment. Just before that, Devon falls from from where they're hanging. The bump he takes, it, it looks horrific to me. I, I didn't realise this so until watching that, it back think, this week. Yeah, I think that's Devon and Christian. Oh, okay. You know, because that's the point where Edge is setting up the three, three I want to say smaller, but they're still huge uh, ladders uh, raw uh, that lead to the, the bigger ladder. Um, and then um, Twinkle Tours, uh, Jeff Hardy tries to walk across all three. And this is the the one of the times when something can go wrong yeah. and he plays it perfectly, uh, where he essentially um, is not able to do that that tightrope walk that the, the spot was uh, was looking for. Uh, the ladder's collapsed underneath him, but he's still able to, to get hold of the belt and then reposition a ladder which is so talented, uh, yeah. that hook it with his feet to reposition it. And then I think it's Bubba Ray who grabs the ladder um, to pull Jeff back and he keeps old. So, so his momentum means that he swings into edge and then edge is able to, to hit that, that spear. Just brilliant, brilliant way of working together to to make um, to make amazing spots. But going back to to, to your point, yeah, uh, Devon, he, he kind of almost lands like he breaks his legs. If that was uh, Jim Cornette on a Skywalker's <laughs> match, he'd pop both his uh, his knee cartilages. Yeah, exactly. Again, it, it really did amaze me watching back, like you said, Maxie, that this was only fifteen minutes. In my head, it's so much longer. Mm-hmm. Because they pack so much in. Um, but yeah, absolutely brilliant. I really, really enjoyed watching this back. And it's a match, again, that I've seen so many times. But it's the first time I've really kind of sat down to take notes and, I, I suppose, for want of a better term, review it for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed so much more that I'd never seen before when I was paying attention to that extra level. So no, I, I really enjoyed watching that one back. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's interesting how many spots you you could have potentially missed just if you watched this once and didn't revisit mm. it. I mean, you, you see the, the Dudley setting up tables at, at the very beginning that, that don't come into play until the very, very end. Yeah. When you so see, uh, when you see, uh, I think it's um, uh, Christian and Devon who ends up going, or Matt Harder and uh, Devon who ends up going through them. Yeah. It's just so well played, such a, a, a brilliantly choreographed fight. It's, um, it's no wonder that this is kind of like the the um, the benchmark for these gimmick style matches. These three um, these three tag teams will live in infamy because of this one match. Never mind all the all the accolades and and things that they've done before or after. This will be their 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 shining moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, you know it will get referenced for years and years. And the fact that you're still seeing the the edge, Jeff Hardy spear spot nine. It, it just goes to show how symbolic moments from this this match is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's match number one, Maxi. We got three others in the uh, the awesome foursome to look at and rank. Uh, one from me and two from yourself. Where do you want to go next? Let's let's cover yours. Uh, Get the to... shit out of the way. <laughs> I screwed up here, mate. <laughs> I watched all three matches, and 
what I try and do with these things is, is the guest brings in um, three contests. I try and pick something that's maybe a little bit different or a little bit out of the box compared to the other three, just to give an alternate, I suppose devil's advocate or, or an alternative or something like that. I wanted to go proper old school with this one um, because the three matches that we have from yourself are sort of attitude era and onwards, I guess I want to go pre attitude era uh, or new, new generation era. I suppose it would have been, I kind of settled on something that I thought was going to be really brutal and really sort of stand the test of time with Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard from the I quit steel cage match from Starcade 85. When put up against these more modern matches, this does not stand the test of time to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've we've seen a lot of that on um, on chain wrestling. How many how many matches recently have we watched that we hold up in uh, we hold them up on pedestals? We think that mm-hmm. these matches are absolutely uh, amazing, but in the in the cold light of day, when you are um, kind of subconsciously comparing them to all the years of of of, of wrestling that you've seen. Sometimes they, they just don't hold up. Um, amazing matches uh, in the 80s and early 90s are, are nowhere near as, as as technically skilled as the matches that we're getting to watch now. And a, a three-star match uh, in 2021 easily beats a five-star match in 1985. It's just the mm-hmm. the way that wrestling has gone. The, the, the wrestlers are infinitely more talented uh, than, than the ones that have gone past. But you need to have that uh, kind of base to build on. So these matches are still incredibly important in the in the annals of history. It's just that when you go back and watch them, you're spoiled because you've watched yeah. so much more more wrestling, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And I remember watching this a, a way back, not in 1985, of course, but I remember watching this quite a few years back and really holding it in high esteem. These early Starcades I love, even though they... They haven't aged well, but they're, and they're very much of their time. The whole NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW side of things is is something I absolutely adore. So I hold all these characters, Teddy Blanchard, Magnum TA, Lex Luger, all these guys in really high regard because it's my yeah. my favourite sort of time period, I guess. Um, watching this, though, it, it's, it's bloody, it's brutal, it, it, it's, you know, violent. But it, it really just seems so old now. Whereas when I watched it previously, it didn't feel that way. I mean, there's a couple of things that add to that, I think. One of them is the obvious production standards that the NWA at the time had. Not very well lit. The cage is incredibly small as well in comparison to what you see nowadays. And, and I suppose that added to what I was watching, um, or, or sorry, took away from, I suppose, what I was watching, having literally just watched the three matches that you'd selected, Magsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we again. This is another comment that we've we've made on uh, chain wrestling when we've gone back and watched things like War Games, for instance. Um, the 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 difference uh, in production uh, is stark compared to to what we see now. Like I said, the the lighting is it's it's very dark and very dingy. Um, the camera work is not always the best. Is usually you miss quite a lot of uh, of of the big moments. The cage is like I said, it, it's a hell of a lot smaller. But the match is it's fucking brutal. I mm. think within within about five minutes, uh, both guys look like they've they've been beating the piss out of each other for for half an hour. They're, everybody's bleeding. Um, it's just it's gruesome. It's really really gruesome. Yeah. Something else I noticed as well that I don't know why my mind goes to these kind of things, but 
as soon as I noticed it, it bothered me for the rest of the match. Magnum's boots don't fit. It looks like they're constantly about to fall off. <laughs> and I couldn't concentrate. I had to rewind a certain part of the match because I was looking at his boots going, are they going to fall off? I don't know why my mind works that way, but it, when I've noticed little things like that, it just bugs me. <laughs> yeah. you, know? you can't not focus on it. Maybe he usually wears like two or three pairs of socks with his yeah. boots and, and he didn't have enough socks. Yeah, uh, or maybe he borrowed the boots. Maybe he borrowed them. Well, they were like the cowboy style, so perhaps he borrowed like Dusty's or something. I don't know. I imagine Dusty yeah. Rhodes had massive feet, so that would work. <laughs> I, bet, I bet his feet stunk as well. Yeah, oh, I, I bet he looks like a he looks like a, a whiffy toed individual, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the crowd were absolutely crazy into this because the the feud between Magnum and and Tully Blanchard, this is kind of like the blow off for it, and 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 anything horseman esque, even though the horseman didn't form for another few months here, anything horseman esque with the likes of Blanchard, R. Anderson, Flair, and so on, just drew so much heat because they were so good at what they did. And everybody loved Magnum, didn't they? They thought the guy was just he was gonna be the next big thing, wasn't he, Max? Yeah, well, there was there was no two ways about it. If he if he didn't have that uh that horrific uh, motorcycle accident, he, he was going to be world champion. Mm-hmm. He, he was primed to be world champion. Uh, and it's uh such a shame that his his career came to an end because of, of what happened. Uh, yeah, he he was gonna be a massive star, but you're right, the the crowd uh everything up of uh, of Horseman, uh, everything up of, of, of Magnum Tier, uh, they were ravenous. We watched uh, multiple kind of uh, NWA and early WCW uh, shows and the crowd are, yeah, they, they fever pitch. And mm-hmm. it, it's maybe something we don't see enough of nowadays that these crowds so energetic into, into the matches that they're watching. Uh, and they really do add to to the match especially when the match kind of doesn't compare uh as well as uh to the to the other matches that, that we've watched uh, i think the the crowd do make a big difference yeah yeah totally i agree something else very much of its time as well i guess that the microphone plays up a little bit early on i don't know if you <laughs> noticed that it wouldn't work because uh, obviously i quit match the, the referee's got to ask the competitors and they have to shape i quit into the microphone it doesn't work straight away and then the microphone they then use has just got a cable dragging around the ring behind the competitors the whole way through. And I just thought that was so brilliantly 80s. 80s. It's so 80s, yeah. The, I mean, radio microphones were probably not a thing back then, or if they were, they were yeah. massively expensive. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, we're not, we're not paying for that. Um, but, I mean, the microphone plays a, a part in, in, in the match as well, because when... Uh, when uh, Magnum says no, he refuses to quit. He gets chinned with the microphone from Tully. Yeah. So um, <laughs> at, at least it, it, they used it, and, and that that to me felt like a, maybe a little bit of hot shotting, but it works. I mean, matches like these, you have to kind of uh, roll with the punches, especially when you're dealing with uh, with blood uh, and and open wounds. Sometimes it, it's not always. It doesn't always. You don't always uh, gig yourself, or you don't always. Um, um, bleed uh the way that you think you're gonna so you've got to kind of like roll with the punches suppose and uh, magnum and, and tully really did well to do that i mean the the point where they were essentially rolling around like like attacking each other yeah. um yeah just <laughs> absolutely brutal yeah definitely very very violent brutal moments and eventually that the finish comes because we have a wooden chair that gets into the ring 
uh, and gets smashed up. And <laughs> you almost, a fucking wooden chair, Jesus yeah. Christ. And, and it basically turns into effectively a collection of vampire hunting stakes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I suppose, for want of a better term. Magnum uses the spike and threatens to basically put it in the eye of Tully Blanchard until he screams, yes, yes, I quit. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was that. Magnum walks out the new United States champion, the crowd are loving it. The thing that gets me, though, is the whole... I don't think it's limited to this this I quit match. I think it's limited to the majority of ones I've seen. The whole shouting into the microphone, no, 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 ask him and all this sort of stuff. It gets old quite quickly for me. Mm-hmm. It's reminiscent of um, of the the Rock and uh, and Mankan. They, I think, it, uh, I want to say it was at Royal Rumble that they had a uh, an I quit match. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it, it does get um, tedious, especially when. Um, after watching wrestling for so many years, you know uh, when a wrestler is not ready to quit. So what is the point in keep asking him every two minutes? Um, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. But we, we're talking about wrestling. It's not meant to really make sense. I mean, <laughs> were they really going to stab the shit out of each other with, uh, with, with sparks of wood? I mean, in the 80s, probably, yeah, actually. I'll take that back. They probably actually would have done. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's silly. It's daft. But it, it, it's wrestling at the end of the day. It's yeah. meant to be silly and daft. I, I think for me, watching that sort of era back, watching that time of wrestling back on its own, no problem at all. When it's in, in a list and we're ranking four matches and the other three are as good as the ones that you put forward, Magsy, it really ages my selection, I think. But we'll get to that when we uh, when we rank yeah, them at the end and, of the show. But I, I, think, but I think that's unfair to this match uh, because... And it's on its own in isolation. This is a brutal match. This is yeah, yeah. this is entertaining. It's 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 essentially the the prototype of hardcore wrestling. It's really kind of brutal. Uh, and if you're watching this on its own and, and work comparing it to something else, I, I dare say you would enjoy it a lot more. Mm. But but we're watching it to critique almost we watched it to compare it against something else and i think that kind of does it a little bit of, of uh, an injustice especially when you look at the the stark difference in in time frame uh and the stark difference in, in match style and production quality i think that's unfair to kind of like judge it um harshly because of when it was from, I mean, in in the in the mid eighties, they didn't have the production quality or or the the camera work or even really the the commentary uh, style that that we got in the the nineties and two thousand. So, um, I, I don't think it's 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 really fair to say that this was awful because it wasn't. It was a really good match, but just we're comparing it against something that is just so much better. It's, yeah. At least in my view. Yeah. No, no, I totally agree. That's kind of the point I was trying to make. It's, uh, I love this era. I love, I love the old uh, NWA eighties. I mean, even going further, further back than this, like the original Starcade mm-hmm. and so on. But comparing it to these newer matches, where things have evolved, I suppose is, is a good way of looking at it, or good way of wording it. I guess you're right. It's not, it's not fair. Standalone, I really enjoy it. Alongside these other matches, I think it suffers. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay. Two more options, Magsy. Which one do you want to go with next? Um, let's go with uh, WrestleMania 13. Okay. Um, so this is the the submission match uh, between Bret Hart uh, and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, now, when I was picking my matches, I, I wanted to try and be kind of a smart 
Um, I wanted it to be uh, something what we we generally do on chain wrestling where the matches are linked. And and I sat there racking my brains, and um, eventually it, it got to a point where I was like, I can't think of three matches that I want to link together where I'm forcing them. I'm forcing a match in that maybe mm-hmm. I wouldn't have ordinarily picked. Um, so I, I absolutely threw that idea out the window, and I just, I just <laughs> thought I'll go with matches that that really mean something in in the history of wrestling. So I picked this one because this is uh, the infamous double turn. This was yeah. uh, Bret Hart, the 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 pure white meat baby face of of WWF. Uh, and Austin, uh, the kind of uh, character leading the change of the guard for for WWF, uh, becoming the real anti-hero, uh, and really kind of ushering in um, a change in demographics for wrestling, almost for for WWF. Um, before Austin came along, and before the all kind of uh, start of the Attitude Era, it was very much aimed at uh, the younger audience, attracting kids. They were always sponsored by toy companies the the wrestlers were superheroes yeah uh and kind of like um very overt characters with austin he was a real bloke he he drunk beer in the ring he told his boss to fuck off um (laughs) he he was very much a brawler that i mean he he has got a technical wrestling base but he he very much became this brawler uh, of a wrestler he he was a real you could relate to him as a human being you wanted to to tell your boss to piss off. You wanted to flip the finger and, and drink beer all day. Um, and I think that kind of changed the demographics from uh, aiming at kids to to that kind of um, 18 to 49 demographic that everybody kind of holds so dear now. Um, I think the the importance of, of Austin and the importance of, of Bret Hart essentially giving him the rub in this match um, and I think this is very pivotal in in Austin becoming that huge superstar that that he become. Yeah, I think it's spot on, Max. It is almost like, um, especially now in hindsight, looking back in twenty twenty one, it is really like the beginning of an era, isn't it? You can really see something special happening here. Um, we also got Ken Shamrock as well as as the guest referee or enforcer or whatever. He is huge, and it, I always thought that Ken Shamrock added um, um, a sense of realism to this match. Because if if your uh, kind of squad of referees are not uh, big enough to hold these two uh, these two apart, or, or mm-hmm. um, because this was a genuine blood feud, this was something that started um, essentially the, the year before when Austin was really giving um, Bret Hart a lot of grief, uh, telling him not to come back, uh, all that stuff. And, and Bret was he thought he would come back into the company as the same kind of baby face that he was before, but wrestling had kind of like passed him by. Uh, and uh, he he hated Austin because of that. Uh, he saw Austin uh, as everything that was wrong with wrestling. You needed Ken Shamrock to be that, that middleman because no one else really could have stopped this match. Uh, if, if it yeah. went overboard, you couldn't get... You, Earl Hebner couldn't have done anything about it. Tim Watt uh, couldn't have done anything about it. You needed uh, a special guest referee with uh, the gravitas of a former UFC champion, Ken Shamrock, to to be that that third man in the ring. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, he also comes out to the old school WrestleMania theme music, doesn't he? That, I, he I, does. don't, I, I don't know why that tickled me so much, but I thought that was great. <laughs> um, and we also get the the glass literally breaking for Austin, don't we? The Austin 316 glass logo, I suppose, or glass door, glass pane over the entranceway that shatters as Austin walks through. I think that's so simple, but so effective. Yeah, I mean, the, the actual Austin glass smasher, we've been covering it on uh, A Changing Attitude, and we've just got to the point, I think it's a buried alive where you first hear the glass smash. Uh, so this is like a, a few months down down the road from that. But that that image of, of the glass dropping and Austin being behind it is so iconic. Yeah. I mean, in, in every kind of like Austin retrospect or documentary, you see that image over and over again. It's it's so cool uh, to see. I mean, it's timed perfectly to go along with the music. Yeah, it's a, a brilliant image. Yeah, I mean, both, um, both wrestlers are kind of brawling out the ring and into the crowd very early on, aren't they? And Shamrock's there trying to uh, gain control i guess but we don't have the usual the usual camera angles where we're seeing everything that's going on whilst they're fighting in in the crowd and i think this worked really well because it felt more chaotic more unplanned potentially because there wasn't the cameras there to follow them you didn't quite see what was going on it just felt like absolute chaos and these guys hated each other and they wanted to rip each other apart yeah and and that that was such great storytelling from from both guys. I mean, all the way through this, uh, Austin has been saying, "If you put the S in front of uh, Hitman, that's what I think of of, uh, of Brett." Uh, so yeah, this was a genuine uh, blood feud, and and sometimes it annoys when you miss spots because of poor camera work. But I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. The fact that they are missing spots and it looks so chaotic, it adds to the realism that these two wanted to just beat the living piss out of each other. Mm. Yeah, totally. Uh, and also, I mean, I've got a note here. It sums up exactly what I'm thinking. How good is Brett? Or how good was Brett? Just mm-hmm. everything he does looks so real. It looks so so sharp, so crisp. Even just something as simple as throwing a right hand or stamping on his opponent or anything like that. It's just everything Brett does is just absolutely on the money, isn't it? Yeah, uh, like him or, or not like him... Uh whether you think he believes his own bullshit or whether you hmm. think he is the greatest wrestler that that's ever um, walked the, the face of the earth, the man knew how to tell a story in the ring. Yeah. The man was technically uh, among the very best wrestlers to ever do it. Everything he did in that ring had a purpose. There was no wasted movement. He, everything looked realistic. Yeah, the... the as a person, um, I think maybe sometimes he uh, thought way more of himself than than, than perhaps he, he should have done. He he, he believed the wrestling world was real life uh, uh, sometimes, which I think uh, is a little bit of a detriment to him. But I cannot fault him in ring at all. I mean, we've been covering him on um, that Nancy's Wrestling Podcast. I'm getting a lot of plugs in in this episode. <laughs> uh, but we've been covering save that. me asking at the end of the show, mate, that's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but we've been covering a lot of early Nancy's uh, pay-per-views uh, on that Nancy's Wrestling Podcast. And every time Brett's on, he's, he's the star of the show. He can carry 
any opponent to a really, really good match. And when you've got opponent, the level of Stone Cold, who, who was really growing into his character, really becoming uh, that that 316 kind of a, uh, anti-hero that we end up um, seeing going up against the Rock in uh, WrestleMania 17, he he made Austin look a million dollars in this fight. Uh, and yeah, Brett is he's one of the very best that's ever done it. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. He does. I mean, the story from Scott Hall about him having a shrine in his house to himself and so on. I think you're right with me. Brett does take himself quite a little bit too seriously sometimes, but in ring, I don't think you can fault the guy. Absolutely fantastic. Um, we're hearing chants for Austin as well, uh, uh, quite early on in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is obviously it's the, 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 the match is the double turn. That's the whole, um, the whole legend behind this contest, I suppose. But even very early on, you can see that there's, you know, people in the crowd, little groups, people in the crowd who are very much behind Steve Austin early on. There's Austin signs as well. Um, and the commentators are kind of dropping these little hints in as well, calling Brett a whiner um, and, and sort of, I suppose, setting up for what's coming towards the end, aren't they, I guess? Yeah, I think if I remember rightly, Vince says, uh, if Brett loses this match, you have to wonder what kind of excuse he, he will come up with. Ah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. And I've always kind of uh, been in two minds that, that this was planned or whether this was they saw the reaction from the crowd and they decided to run with it um, because Brett ne- never came across to me as someone who would be happy being a heel because he always saw himself as as the the number one face the 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 the, the guy on the posters the guy who, who signs the 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 the, the gifts for the, for the the wrestlers i mean that in his comeback to to get to this match he's talking about his uh, nephew who was ill and his nephew saying i want you to go back to wwf that was mm. the whole storyline and he he wanted to come back for his fans so i don't think um, when they're kind of like planning uh, the the trajectory of this match and, and the story going forward, I don't think Brett is the kind of person who would be going, oh, yeah, I can't wait to be a heel. I can't wait to be a dickhead. <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot of uh, kind of like just rolling with the punches and, and seeing that the crowd were, were really behind Austin, uh, that the, they kind of had to change it up. In, whether that's uh, in between the match or whether that's been decided just before the match, but there's definitely some uh, there's, there's definitely some kind of changing of the guard here where they decide this Austin character's got legs. The crowd are loving him. Brett, if you go over, you are going to get booed. <laughs> so we might as well we might as well run with that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and the, the, the Brett heel character that follows. I think there's a huge amount of believability to what Brett is saying when it, when he's criticizing people for cheering someone like Austin, uh, even though he's portraying himself as a heel at this time, saying that, that the fans are, you know, the fans of Stone Cold Steve Austin are this and that, because look, look at your hero. He, he drinks, he swears, he's not a role model. Or, or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what, what Brett goes on to do. Mm-hmm. That I genuinely believe would be something Brett would say. Yeah, away from the cameras. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I, I I fully agree with you, and and it really kind of uh, it played into this anti-American uh, Brett that we ended up getting, uh, mm. where he was massively popular in Canada, hugely popular in Europe, but vilified in the in the US. 
because obviously Austin being an American, uh, so it, it really kind of played into into that uh, believability that Brett was a good guy, but it was the American people who who saw him as 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 the bad guy, the the typical kind of heel foreigner trope, but but kind of uh, flipped on its head where it's actually you guys are the heels, you guys are the douchebags. It's the rest yeah. of the world that are the good guys. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, there's some really vicious, stiff chair shots as well in this match, isn't there? Some to the back, some to the head, just absolutely brutal. Loads of blood as well. Austin is like, it's just pouring out of him like a tap. Mm-hmm. Steve yeah. Austin also applies a, a Boston crab. And I love this because he actually sits down and does it properly. It's like a Rick Martel Boston Crab. It's a proper Boston Crab. Not one of these ones where the guy is stood up and he doesn't sit down and cinch it in properly. That really irritates me. Really? I mean, yeah. that, that's a petty thing to, to be bothered about. It's it's very, doesn't, it doesn't look Very bubbly chocolate-esque. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think the whole kind of like build to the, 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 the story of this match was that Austin wasn't really a submission specialist. Mm. So submission moves were his bag. I mean, I know with the ringmaster, he had the million dollar dream, but we were moving well away from that. Um, so he was challenging Brett in, in Brett's backyard with it, with it being uh, the submission uh, uh, style match. And we, and we see that how, how, lacking uh, Stone Cold's uh, submission game is when he tries to put the sharpshooter on and he actually crosses the wrong leg yeah, uh, and he's not able to put it on and yeah, it always makes me giggle when he does that but what I think what this match brought out was a viciousness in Bret Hart I mean there's a point where he wraps Austin's uh, leg around the post uh, and then uh, puts on the figure four that's not what Bret would have done no. The Brett normally uh, Brett would not be that brutal, um, but yeah, to, it really brought out like a, the evil side of him, uh, and the and the blood from Austin. That's iconic, absolutely yeah. iconic. I've always missed the point where he actually bleeds, because like you said, the camera work is very very janky. But he actually headbutts the the guardrail. That's um, right. I always thought he kind of like um, he. He did it the 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 normal way where the 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 wrestlers gig themselves, but he doesn't. I think that's actually bleeding hardware where he, he headbutts the rail, um, and then obviously they 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 work him over by doing uh, pushing him into the the, the chair uh, into the uh, the steps to kind of re- really open that cut. But it leads to one of the most iconic images of of Austin when he's uh, essentially locked in the the sharpshooter. And he's raising up onto his onto his hands and screaming, and the blood's drip, dripping down his face, dripping into his teeth. Yeah, what an what an image that is. And when he finally passes out from the pain as well, rather than mm-hmm. giving up, and he's face down, and you can still see the blood sort of coming out onto the mat as he's led there. It's That's pumping just, out. Oh, it's it, pumping out. It's, it's just fantastic imagery, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Brett. Um, being the douchebag that he is, um, a- attacking um, a-, a beat man. Yeah. <laughs> and a turn, as they say, is complete, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we end up with Shamrock grabbing Brett and ragging him about a little bit, and the crowd seemed to really enjoy that. Um, and then he's booed as he leaves. So, yeah, we get Brett Hart as a heel for a little while. Yeah, but the, just the whole storytelling in this match, um, going in, uh, Austin was was 
the douchebag going in. He was rallying up the the face of Bret Hart, and by the end of it, Austin is is the hero. He, he's given, he's taken everything that Bret Hart can throw at him, and Bret has, uh, has essentially done what he vowed never to do, and that's break the rules and and cheat to win. I mean the 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 whole uh, this the point where he, he cracks um, Austin with the ring bell. Yeah. Um, that's something that face Brett would, would never do in a nope. million years. Um, so the, 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 the way that these two characters can essentially switch positions uh, in terms of popularity is such a great story. And, and like I said, I, I think that uh, we cannot, um, we cannot hold this in high enough esteem for for what happened in the attitude era. I think without this match, without Austin uh, becoming that uh, that anti-hero face, the wrestling may not be in the position that it's in today. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It really is. It really did just change everything, didn't it? What happened on that mm-hmm. day? Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings us to your final selection of the well, the three you brought forward for the four, Magsy. Um, yes. Do you want to explain why it is you you chose this one? Okay, so I went with um, the NXT Women's Title match uh, from um, Takeover Respect between uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks, uh, which is a, a thirty-minute Iron Woman match. Um, the reason why I went uh, with this is because um, the four horsewomen are iconic in in wrestling, um, but as of right now, the the two uh, the two biggest stars in in terms of wrestling are always are always going to be Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, um, mm. and I think sometimes uh, Sasha and, and Bailey are, are kind of uh, looked at as almost kind of a uh, bit part players. In, in that whole kind of a uh, um, rise of women's uh, wrestling, especially in, in WWE, uh, when that is absolutely not the case. If you if you go back to uh, NXT uh, era when the Four Horsemen were really formulating, Bailey Bailey's story uh, is massive. Uh, going from uh, the 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 kind of not really understanding what her own character was about to being this huge face uh, mm-hmm. where the the fans absolutely loved her, and then you've got Sasha Banks, who for for my money is the best legitimate wrestler out of the whole four women. Um, I think some of the stuff that she's able to pull off is so talented, and she looks every little bit the star, but she also has that that. Uh, killer instinct where she will do anything to to win, and we see that with with a, a sense of going up against her best friend uh, in uh, in 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 Berlin. I think this match, with it being the first time that the women have ever headlined uh, essentially a WWE pay per view, with it being um, the takeover, uh, with it the first ever women's um, Iron Woman match. Um, the importance of, of this match in, in recognising just how uh, how far women's wrestling uh, had come and just how far it could still go. I mean, we're, we're only a few years removed from from women headlining WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for Baylor and Sasha Banks kind of laying that groundwork, uh, treading that, that, that path, I don't think we get to uh, the point where um, uh, where Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, and, and um, Becca become such big stars that they're they're put at the top of wrestling's biggest show. No, I think you're right. 
I think you're right. And and uh, skipping through a lot of information, we will go back and look at it. But the ending of this match, I think, shows that how big a deal it is. When everyone comes out onto the entrance way, both competitors are, are you know given some flowers, and Triple H is there to celebrate with them both because it was such a groundbreaking moment. I think it's um, that that ending shows, I think, how how symbolic this match and this event was for the progress of women's wrestling, especially in WWE. Because I mean companies like impact and so on have been showcasing women's wrestling for a long time but wwe's obviously on a different level so when they finally caught up that was a big deal i think mm-hmm. yeah I, I totally totally agree with you and and i think it's nxt played a massive part in that um if if uh triple h didn't have that that idea of, of uh formulating his own kind of indie style of wrestling uh out of the reach i suppose of, of vince um and I don't think we would see that that influx of of, of women's wrestling in WWE like like we do now. Uh, NXT mm. was, for all its faults, uh, especially uh, over recent years, um, the one thing it did right was was highlight just how talented uh, some of the women wrestlers were. Yeah, totally. Um, Sasha Banks's entrance music absolutely brilliant i love that gene and it's stuck in my head even now even though it was like a day or so ago i watched the match uh so much better before it was messed around with and had, a, had other people sort of contribute to it i think you know yeah uh, it very stripped back i think that the same as well with bailey's uh if you yeah. uh it, i know now she's she's obviously the heel uh but when uh bailey was on on main roster as as uh as the hugger bailey uh they added so many different elements to her music that it, it kind of like um Took away from from the the vocals, uh, but with with these two, the vocals are, are are the main part of the music, and you can tell that it's very stripped back, very raw, um, and really kind of fits in with with the the story that they were telling. Yeah, totally. I, I love NXT Bailey as well. Just makes me smile. Just makes me feel all warm inside, you know. Where she, she's just such a just just lovely, just a lovely baby face character. I, I think it's fantastic. I think she's so. Uh, I mean, I know she's won uh, title after title, and and uh, she's uh, she's been a massive groundbreaker. But I think she's so underappreciated for for what she brings uh, to women's wrestling and to the force. I mean, Charlotte and um, obviously being a flair, she's. She's got a huge name value. Becca, uh, through uh, through kind of a, a bit of misfortune and and her being able to uh, make the most of it, became the biggest star in wrestling. Uh, Sasha Banks is is huge as a crossover star. Now we've been in uh, in um, the Mandalorian, but Bailey has been so uh, important in in cultivating that female wrestling uh, fan base uh, and. She's so talented in the ring. When do you see Bailey have a bad match? It yeah. just doesn't happen at all. And it, it it shows just how good she is that when she did turn heel, nobody uh, would accept it. But now you can't really picture her not being a heel. Yeah. She's that good at it. Um, I, I could not get on board uh, carrying hair out Bailey at all. But now I have to watch matches like this to kind of remember that hugger Bailey, it's just she's so good at, at everything. She's probably one of the best all-round wrestlers uh, in in uh, certainly in WWE, uh, perhaps even in in the whole of the wrestling world. Which side of the fence do you think she's going to fall on when she comes back? Because she's obviously out injured at the moment, isn't she? So mm-hmm. when she returns, 
there's going to be a crowd reaction for her, a positive crowd reaction for her, because that's what happens when people have been out for a long time. People cheer you when you return. Do you think that she's going to go back to being a babyface, ride that wave of popularity for the pop and, and her, from her return? Or do you think that the heel character is something that she's so good at and they were so invested in, they're going to try and switch back to that as soon as possible? What do you think, Mags? Character-wise, I, th- I've always, I think I've always preferred face Baylor. Mm. But there are so many face women wrestlers now that perhaps we do need a heel. I mean, you've got uh, Bianca Belair, absolute one of the biggest baby faces that you you can you can have in wrestling today. Becca, no matter how much she tries to be a heel, will always be a huge baby face. I mean, WWE tried to make us hate her, and we uh, when she was saying, "Yeah, you were never with us. Uh, you were never really at my side," and we were like, "Yeah, we were dickheads. We apologize." <laughs> to the point where they had to change her back to being a face because. It, it, it was she was always going to be a face, and then I think you always need that balance as well in the four horsewomen uh, of two and two because you've Charlotte's a natural heel. Mm-hmm. Um, Sasha, while she's good at being a face, she always comes off as a better heel than yeah. a face. So, um, very smartly, very cocky, isn't she? Very, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I'd like to see her come back as, as a face, either way. I think she's going to. to uh, she's going to still be one of the best um, talents in, in the company, face or heel. So uh, I'm just like glad to see her back. I just really would be excited. I think the the women's division, it's a lot less talented without Bailey in it, I suppose. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, before the wrestlers have even touched, we've had chance of women's wrestling. This is awesome. You deserve mm-hmm. it from the crowd. And then the first five minutes of the match, both wrestlers are going for pinfall after pinfall after pinfall early on. I love that because t- to me, it's it's a sporting contest. It's been it's been portrayed as a, a competitive sporting contest. So <laughs> the competitors should want to win. When people are hitting big move and then waiting to go into the next big move, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> if there's an opportunity to, to to win the match, regardless of how early the match is, go for it because it makes it it sells it to me as a viewer that they're trying to win this sporting contest. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think Corey Graves uh, really kind of uh, uh, hits the nail on the head uh, um, on commentary when he's saying uh, it doesn't matter um, how you win the, the points, you just need those points. What, uh, you need to be ahead of your opponent at, at the end of the match. So mm. getting as many um, pinfalls or, or uh, countouts or submissions uh, in your in your favour absolutely makes sense. I mean, you would want to totally capitulate your opponent. You want to be ten nil up um, because you you want to make sure that if you do uh, falter. That they can't, um, they can't come back. So it absolutely makes sense to get those early numbers in uh, because you are then uh, uh, you're then at an advantage. But what I really kind of and it, it gave me goose pimples watching it was these didn't even really make contact with each other for like two minutes. Yeah, just just walking around each other, uh, threatening to to kind of lock up, and the crowd were just absolutely eating it up, and, and it shows that they knew just how important this match was, and that their their performance could make or break women's wrestling. 
at, at least uh, kind of if they put if these absolutely shit the bed, this this may be the last time that women headline a pay per view. Mm, and yeah. I think think that they they knew they had to give it all. So milking that crowd, getting that energy going, I think they played it perfectly. And then they're going in for the roll ups and the, and and barely doing Japanese arm drags. I mean that's that's. You never see women doing Japanese no. arm drags. Uh, I mean, one of them damn near killed Sasha Banks when she, oh, she lands on the sort of like the, the back of her head, sort of like the base of her oh, neck, sort of thing. Yeah, that that was was pretty brutal. But yeah. the 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 chain wrestling was was glorious to see, and and kind of a real playback to uh, the matches that they they'd had previously. Uh, these two have you can tell that they're best friends. They have amazing chemistry together. They really know how to to uh, take the crowd on a on an emotional journey. Uh, yeah, it's just such a glorious match. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and the weird thing is, I remember it being brilliant, but I don't remember it being this brilliant. If I'm if I'm looking for some wrestling to go back and watch again, NXT doesn't really come into my mind very often as an option to choose and that's no slight on nxt or any of the matches or any of the competitors it's just not where my mind naturally goes to so i probably would never have seen this again in years and years and years and years unless you bought it forward backs and i'm really glad you did because it's so much better than i remember and i remember it being bloody brilliant it's it's so good it's um 30 minutes is is a long time especially Mm. um when um you're headlining a pay-per-view there's a lot of hell of a lot of pressure on you to know that you have to go 30 minutes, it that can that can break a person. Uh, but I think these two absolutely thrived on 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 the fact that they had been given this this kind of a this task to to really um, showcase women's wrestling. And um, yeah, I thought the 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 storytelling is brilliant. Uh, Sasha Sasha is the the smarmy, uh do anything to to win heel. I mean that that essentially is what leads to the the uh, the first pin. If you remember the first fall, there's an airport. And that's what leads mm. to the, the the first win, which uh, that's not something Bailey would have done. But through throughout the match, she has to kind of step up to Sasha's uh, mentality because otherwise she's going to get steamrolled. So she she has to kind of uh, embrace the 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 inner heel, I suppose, to to be able to keep up with with uh, with um, with Sasha to 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 win this match. And yeah, it's just a great character arc. Uh, from from Bailey in, in this match really kind of makes her stand up and uh, be counted as one of the four horsewomen. Yeah, the the first four I really enjoyed, and, and again, it's it's harking back to my sort of Ric Flair fandom, I guess. You know, the referee is distracted behind their back, jab a thumb in the eye, quick roll up or whatever. I, I love that kind of sneaky heel shit. I think it's I think it's mm-hmm. bloody brilliant. I love it. There's so many great moments as well in this match. The the slingshot into the steps on the outside that is. Mm-hmm. Oh my word! That looked vicious. Um, there's a moment where where Sasha effectively gets caught by Bailey in mm-hmm. f- from a dive, and you know I, I didn't see that coming. I, I I just assumed she was going to complete the move. She was going to complete the dive, but then Bailey catching her and turning it into the Bailey to Bailey on the outside. Honestly, I sat there just gobsmacked to what I saw. I wasn't a fan of seeing it, the little girl Izzy crying. I didn't but, enjoy that. But it adds to the storyline because she uh, was the massive. Bailey super fan mm. 
Uh, so if you want to draw heat, you you essentially attack the fan. I mean, she obviously, obviously Sasha can't hit the hit the girl. So you make a crowd by by uh, beating up a, a hero and, mm. and and stealing the headband, which I thought was a a brilliant touch, absolutely. And and that uh, mocking her in the ring, I thought that that was a a a, a cool way of of drawing it, and the crowd hated her for doing that. Um, so yeah, I, I I understand you're using you're using the torment of a of a little girl to 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 draw heat, but it worked. It, oh yeah, it, that I think that gave Bailey the the push that she needed to to become um, powerful enough to to beat um, to beat Sasha Banks. Yeah, totally. I understand, I understand the purpose. I understand it gets the heat. It does, and it, and it got the reaction from me that Sasha Banks is looking to get. I didn't like it. I wanted Sasha to to you know to get her comeuppance, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I've been I've been the dad of that kid as I'm sure people have been aware of when a wrestler, a local show, an evolution wrestling show smashed up my daughter's sign that she had made for, for her favorite wrestler. And Charlie was mortified. And even now, a few years later, won't sit in the front row. It still affects her to this day. So I, I kind of see it from the aspect of, it reminds me of being the dad at that show when it actually directly affected me, I guess. Uh, I, I don't doubt for a second that Bailey looked after her afterwards. So she was probably a, uh, uh, overall on the night she was probably up should we say <laughs> yeah and the thing is if, if you tell uh, a kid of, of Izzy's age that yeah we're going to be involved um, you're going to see Bailey get absolutely beat up Sasha's going to come over and, 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 and give you some grief you would have got that natural reaction because she no. was still so so young I think what she was about 8 years old at this time yeah um, similar age to Charlie when it happened to her actually I suppose yeah. Charlie was about 7 or 8 years, eight years of age yeah. but but what you saw was a, a natural reaction. You saw a kid, like you said, mortified, absolutely mm-hmm. crying on a on a, a dad's shoulder. Uh, the dad obviously knew that it was a um, it was a story because he was kind of like smiling um, to to Sasha. But yeah, it, it got that emotional reaction that it needed to get, and I think that adds a, a hell of a lot to this match. Yeah, when it happened with Charlie at our local event, my youngest daughter, Charlie, it got a reaction from me. I wanted to kill the bastard. But there we go. That's a story for another day. <laughs> um, eventually, eventually, obviously, Bailey retains. Bailey wins the match. There's so many good moments and so many just, just fantastic segments of wrestling in this contest. We haven't got time to cover them all, but... Oh my God, the finish is just, again, storytelling because they're working on Sasha's hand. Sasha applies the bank statement. Bailey uses the bad hand and gripping at the, at the injury to escape from that uh, into something else. And, oh, just, just wrestling brilliance. It, it, it's almost like um, a ring of Saturn, kind of like the Perry yeah, Saturn yeah. kind of finisher. Um, but the, it's, it's for me, so this is all about the timing. Uh, the the way that um, you're getting down to the last two minutes and Bailey was 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 trapped in the bank statement. Is she going to tap? Able to escape? And then would she have enough time to to get Sasha to to tap out? Uh, I think she ends up tapping with what two seconds to go. Yeah, which um, is so well well told. But 
we cannot do this match justice. In fact, we can't do any of these four matches justice at all. Um, if you're ever going to go and re-watch some of these matches uh, after listening to uh, an awesome foursome, definitely go back and check out these matches because uh, there's so many details and nuances that we've we've just not covered at all. Uh, but the for me, the the main kind of takeaway from this match is is the ending uh, where the whole NXT locker room empties out to applaud these two women for what they've done. Uh, Steph's there, Triple H is there. William Regal is blubbering like a baby because yeah. his 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 child essentially has, has grown up and become this amazing, uh, amazing entity. Um, Sasha goes to, to join the rest of the, the, the wrestlers and she breaks down because she knows she's been part of something phenomenal. You yeah, barely left in the ring, um, trips goes and, and hugs her. And there's not even any words between the two. You can tell this isn't, isn't scripted. He just, He's just so proud of what these two have done. And Sasha gets a lot of grief for having an attitude problem. Uh, I mean, if you remember uh, a, a year or so ago, uh, there were stories of her um, essentially throwing a tantrum at WrestleMania. Yeah, um, yeah. With the tag titles, wasn't it? Is yeah. Right? Yeah. But if you watch Sasha after these big matches... She's so proud of the part that she plays in him. The the match with Bianca Belair at WrestleMania, where Bianca uh, won the title, it cuts to Sasha, and Sasha's got a huge smile on her face yeah. because she knows <laughs> that she's been part of a great match and that uh, a new superstar has been born. Mm. And you see the camera cuts back to Sasha, and she's smiling at Bailey. I mean, these were two best friends in Storyland. These were two best friends who end up becoming mortal enemies. But she's smiling uh, because she's happy that she was been part of this amazing match with with her best friend, and the crowd just chanting for for women's wrestling at the end, and and the the camera focusing on a, a tearful Bailey. It's just a monumental um, moment in women's wrestling, kind of like a, a massive turning point, uh, especially for, for WWE. And you made a point of impact doing this beforehand. And yeah, that's absolutely right. But when the biggest company in the wrestling world starts focusing on women's wrestling to this level, that means that women's wrestling has become important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that these two were were front and centre at, at that movement. Where before we got the women's revolution, this was the the genesis of the women's revolution for me. Yeah, no, no, I agree, I agree. So then, four matches, uh, all all very good in their own way, all very different. Um, we now rank them from four down. So least favourite of the four, or or, or you know the one that doesn't tick as many boxes for us on a personal level as some of the others, I guess. Uh, Mags, what would you place at number four? Uh, Is I it mean, difficult to choose? <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm, I don't appreciate the wrestling that, that came before, but the the NWA match was it was totally not my wheelhouse. I never mm-hmm. watched NWA at the time. I've never been someone who goes back and, and watches a lot of it. Um, it's it's I don't have that kind of emotional connection to NWA uh, like like you do. Um, so that would be in fourth place for me. 
just because yeah. of that. I understand the importance that it that it had in in wrestling. That uh, we wouldn't be where we are now without those kind of matches and without the influence of the NWA. But for me, um, yeah, that match uh, is least important, so I have to put it in 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 fourth place. I actually agree with you, mate. The list I have in front of me, I've got my own selection last. So, so that tells a story about this week's awesome foursome, really. What do you have in third place? So when we were back and forth in, on this, and you, uh, you actually said to me, can you even rank these? And I Yeah, because I can't decide. It's so hard. Yeah, I put one A, one B, one C. And <laughs> do you know, that's... It's it's literally you can put a, a, a piece of paper between the how you split these matches, uh, so it's going to have to be from importance uh, for me because this I mean as good as um, the matches are, there's one that stands out that if it, if this didn't happen. I don't think wrestling particularly changes that much. I think mm-hmm. in the, if the other two uh, don't happen, that has more of a fundamental uh, impact on how wrestling would, would go on. So I think in third place, I've got to put TLC two. Right. Um, as, as good as it, uh, as good as it was, I think if we don't have a TLC uh, match or if we don't have a TLC two, we, it, nothing significantly changes in in the wrestling world because we would still have talented uh, tag team wrestlers. Uh, we'd still have talented uh, three way tag team matches. We probably wouldn't just get the 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 crappy B level pay per view that ended up uh, coming from TLC, where they strong armed TLC matches into it. Um, but we would still have uh, the huge stars that these wrestlers become. Uh, so I think just for that. TLC two comes in third. You know, I've got the same again. TLC two oh. in third, um, but for slightly different reasons. I'm not listed in order of, um, I suppose, importance to separate. Now, I've tried as best I can to, I suppose, stick to what I love on nor- normal levels of wrestling. What I love when when we're talking wrestling in any any situation, and I'm not saying TLC two is a spot fest in any way, shape, or form. Uh, as in, you know, the sort of what, what people refer to the young bucks as now being like spot monkeys and just doing certain move after move after move. There's more to TLC than just being mm-hmm. stunt after stunt. However, it is a stunt filled spot match. There's more to it than that, but that's what it is. And I always come back to it says, it says wrestling on the marquee. It says wrestling on the ticket. So that's why I'm kind of putting that in third place because I believe the other two matches are more closer to what I want to see from a wrestling match which is actual wrestling. Yep, I, I, that absolutely makes a, a hell of a lot of sense. Way more uh, more meaningful than my answer. <laughs> so then, do you want to give us number two and number one for yourself, then, Mags? Yeah, um, this is this is a hard call because I think these two matches are so important um, for the genres of wrestling uh, and the the times of wrestling that they they're from. But I've got to. I think that. Brett versus Stone Cold means so much more. I think that the the rub that Austin got from this whole Brett storyline catapulted him from being a mid-card wrestler to being the star of uh, an era 
the attitude era does not work without Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, without him being that 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 superstar. I think the storyline with Brett takes him from being just a a, a bog standard general, bald headed heel to being a, a genuine megastar, a, a person who you could build a company around. Um, so. For that reason, I have to put Brett versus Stone Cold as number one. That's that's not a detriment at all to Bailey uh, and Sasha. I think what they did in this match and what they did for women's wrestling cannot be um, it cannot be appreciated enough. But I think wrestling fundamentally changed when Stone Cold became the guy. Um, so for 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 that and the fact that I, that was the most invested I was in wrestling, uh, I've got to go with uh, Brett versus Stone Cold as number one uh, and number two, Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, uh, amazingly, I've got exactly the same. Exactly the same. Great man, Stinkalak. Um, yeah, and idiots agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got exactly the same. Uh, my my reasoning behind it is probably not not as in-depth as that. Mine's probably a bit more shallow. I can't separate these two matches. I enjoyed them both so, so much going back and watching them. And I've, I've seen Brett Austin, God knows how many times, multiple times. And I'm still seeing new things each time I watch it back. Sasha versus Bailey, I've not seen anywhere near as much, but it was so much better than I remember it being. And I remember it being brilliant. So separating the two is so difficult. I probably changed my mind three times just whilst we've been sat here in this last hour or so, Maxi. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna stump now on the spot, having to I have to make this decision. Austin Brett goes in number one purely because Brett Hart's involved. It's that shallow. I'm a Brett Hart mark. So it's, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a Brett Hart mark. I'm I'm not a, a huge fan of of him. Uh, as, as you are, I'm not a huge fan of Shawn Michaels as you are, but I appreciate what they bring to the dance. And I think without Brett, you don't get a Stone Cold. So no, you're right. he's he's massively, massively important. Yeah, 100%. So there we go then. That completes yet another awesome foursome on the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Mr. Mags, I am over the moon to be speaking with you on this show again. I think this is episode... Course, street episode 53 or 54 or something like that, that sort of region. And we go way, 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 way back to episode one. And there's me and you then as well, mate, wasn't it? I know how, how the the circle of laugh. <laughs> uh, do I let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online? Uh, and all about all the awesome content, wrestling, UFC, football, and everything else that you create on pretty much a daily basis. Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a machine. Uh, but firstly, <laughs> um, thanks for for inviting me on on here. I'm always in awe of of how well you've taken to to, to podcasting. From knowing you um, way before you even uh, started podcasting, having you on Marshall, uh, having a chat with you, uh, you then starting uh, SJP, and then the fact that we get to w- to chat wrestling and other nonsense on a weekly basis it <laughs> means that, nonsense <laughs> it means it really does mean a lot to me it's one of the highlights of my week i absolutely love uh, the fact that you've blossomed into such a uh, an amazing content creator and, it, and it's cool to be on that journey with you um but well, if, if you do want to follow me you can follow me on twitter at podfather mags it's the only social media that i do because i'm 
old as fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, as Simon alluded to, I'm involved in way too uh, too many uh, podcasts for any one human. Um, that a lot of them are on Radio Techers. Uh, which uh, Simon is a, a massive integral part of, of that team. There we uh, we cover uh, UFC, football, wrestling. Uh, started to branch out into pop culture. Um, so yeah, definitely come and give uh, Radio Techers a follow uh, and a, a like, subscribe, and hit the notification on on the Radio Techers YouTube. I'm also on the Chair Shot with a, a podcast called. Uh, a changing attitude with Tana and Ori, where we are going through uh, the attitude era of, of, of WWE, uh, week by week, pay per view by pay per view, and kind of seeing if um, the rose coloured glasses really mean that this was the best uh, era of wrestling or whether it was absolute dog shit. And so far, it's been Colin B. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, come and follow me on Twitter. Come and check out the the content and the the amazing teams I've I've got a privilege to be a part of. Yeah, I hundred percent recommend uh, changing attitude as well. It's fast becoming one of my favourite shows to listen to during the week. I love it. I love. Uh, I think it's the the way. Well, first of all, the three of you together are brilliant. Okay, it, it works so well, and each week somebody else almost hosts or takes the lead. I guess mm-hmm. and it alternates. I think that's a that's a great idea as well. It works really well, but. Secondly, I think it's the, the format of literally going through each show, TV or pay-per-view or whatever, in order. So you know exactly where you stand following the show along. Mm-hmm. And I have been following the show along. I try and watch the Raws. The pay-per-views I'll scan through more than anything, but I'll watch the Raws along as well. I mean, and we're watching them so you don't have to. That's the point ah, of see, the show. I'm a glutton for punishment, mate. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> no, but we appreciate that. that um, the, the the whole idea was, was that... Every every uh, time we switch horse, they have a different kind of style, uh, mm-hmm. and they 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 may see things that, that the person who hosted the week before didn't see. Uh, so it, it 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 also means that it's not that kind of host co horse dynamic. We're all mm-hmm. uh, we're all equal parts in in the cog, uh, and yeah, I've been blessed all the way through the 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 podcast that I've created from from day one. I've been blessed with amazing course and, and really good chemistry um yeah so th- those two are great definitely go and follow aura she's an absolute star how she hasn't got twenty thousand followers on twitter is beyond me and and tanner is also there <laughs> brilliant oh <laughs> uh, okay you can follow me on twitter at sjp words you can follow the show at sjp wrestling pod on twitter facebook and instagram and also you want to chuck radio techers a follow too on twitter uh, subscribe on youtube and so on this is the sjp wrestling podcast a radio techers production i also want to give a big ch- uh, a big shout out and a big thank you to who you can probably hear right now underneath our glorious dulcet voices uh, awake by design for the single a coming tide their newest single their newest ep is out now as well uh, an acoustic strip back unplugged uh, smaller session that they did at their recording studios well worth listening to that too but thank you so much to Awake by Design for the coming tide that you can hear playing this show in and out again at SJP Words for me at SJP Wrestling Pod for the show uh, Magsy once again thank you so so much for joining me and everyone else thank you for listening yeah.